across the nation. Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ragin' Review Podcast. Nicholas, Gerald Paul, back again for another rousing edition of the show. Lots to get to tonight. Can't wait to do the reaction to the reaction. That's going to be the most fun. Time out. His middle name is Paul, Gerald Paul. Gerald Paul. A, you learn that, something new every day, beer, right? Oh, I'm going to start calling you Gerald Paul. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. I mean, that, that is you, my man. name. That, that is, is the most. Name, man. Your internet's boomer. <laughs> You're boomer. Your name's boomer, bruh. <laughs> oh, y'all some haters, man. I swear. <laughs> Youngest guy here is the most boomerish. It's it's a shame how we treat this guy. I love you guys too. <laughs> anyway, let's let's get to stuff. Uh, first of all, want to thank Gordon McKernan, injury attorneys. Um, we're going to be doing a ticket giveaway, by the way, to get you guys in the seats because, you know, we had a little difficulty last week. So we're going to do everything we can to get folks in the seats this week, uh, Thursday. And depending on when you watch this episode, it'll be uh, probably the day of. So uh, ticket giveaway. We got three tickets for anybody that needs to get in the stadium. Uh, just hit us up. You can DM. You can, uh, I mean, you can call the show if you need, whatever. You guys can chat us as well. Uh, Gordon McKernan, obviously, you guys know we announced our partnership last week. Uh, it's been a great partnership so far. Uh, Alex Ludwig has gotten those tickets to give away to you guys. Um, Gordon has multiple offices, Alexandria, Baton Rouge, Denham Springs, Gonzalez, Hammond, Lafayette, Lake Charles, Monroe, Shreveport, and Zachary. Uh, so if anybody in those areas are listening to the show and you need an injury attorney, check out our guy uh, at Gordon McKernan. Also, if you need to get to him in the Lafayette area, in the Cadiana area, Check him out at 2505 Verrott School Road, Lafayette, Louisiana, 70508, and you can call him locally, 337-545-2395. Also toll-free at 888-271-3687. Cool thing about Gordon and the team, they're going to be here Thursday to support the Cajuns in person. They're bringing a big contingent of employees to Cajun Field, which will help us hashtag pack Cajun Field. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about that more than anything. I mean, they put their money where their mouth is. They go out and they support the communities that they say they're going to support. So I think that's a cool initiative. And I'm fired up to give away some tickets. So hit us up for tickets. We've got three. We'll get you in the stadium for free. And come say hello to us. Obviously, we want to have a good time. Uh, also, our other partner that we announced last week, Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors. Uh, Darren Domingue and the team, they do... Of course they do roofs, but they do other things as well. Siding, installation, gutter installation, roof maintenance, roof assessments, sheetrock services, interior painting, exterior painting. 
They have financing available to people who qualify, uh, which is actually not a common thing around here. So that's definitely something you might want to look into. Uh, but Darren is an RCAF member. They've been voted best, best of by Times of Acadiana, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they do great work, and they've been doing it for a long time around here. Avid Cajun supporters. They, you know, look, you guys need to support the people that support us. He opens his wallet to the Raging Cajun family. Uh, he's opened his wallet to us, and we love Darren. So go check him out. And we'll see Darren at the tailgate on Thursday. So that'll be fun. Boys, how are you? A lot yeah. better than last Saturday night, that's for sure. Oh, man, I can't wait to get to that. Yeah, we sobered up. But let me tell you, I still, you know, 24-hour rule is supposed to apply. I was still pissed no, off still three mad. days later. <laughs> yeah, but but hey, Nick, on the bright side, the Strohs, world champions, man. There you go. I almost wore my hoodie, but I figured, yeah. you know, not tonight. See, the thing about, like, recording yourself being angry is that you listen to it again and you get angry all over again. And not so, only that, but it's so freaking cringe listening to yourself go off. <laughs> My dad, I really said that. Especially when you sober up. It is cringe. <laughs> is what it is. All right, let's get to business. Uh, we are humbled and excited to welcome your national champion, Ragin' Cajun Water Ski Team. They've been really cool to work with. Coach Gonzalez has been easy and, and on, on the ball. That's what I would call it because a lot of times we got to chase people down to do things. But he was chasing me down today because I was so busy. And uh, I got to give him a shout out because he was on top of things. So shout out to Coach Ryan Gonzalez. Everybody hears about the water ski team and how accomplished they are and how you know successful they've been. Three straight Division I national titles. Nine national titles since 1988. And that was the year that the uh, team was founded in 1988 for the Raging Cajuns. In 2021, coming off of a COVID year, they went undefeated and beat the University of Alabama for their uh, second consecutive national title. So, I mean, we're not out here beating uh, uh, William and Mary, okay? We're competing at the, top, uh, at the top with universities that we all know the name of. So that's, that's pretty cool. It's extremely exciting to welcome these folks to the Ragent Review podcast. And Coach, let's talk to you for just a quick second, and then we'll let everybody come in and introduce themselves. First of all, thanks for being here. Can't tell you how much we appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. We also appreciate it. You know, we go a long time hearing that, you know, we have a water ski team at UL, and, you know, half of the students know that we exist. The other half know that, you know, we, um, we're champions. So it's great to finally see that the uh, – the community starting to recognize our accomplishments. Yeah, and judging by the uh, the social media sites that I was perusing when we decided, or when we knew we were going to get the interview, uh, you guys have a lot of fun, and it looks like a, an event that I want to be a part of. That was probably my biggest takeaway about learning about the water ski team. Am I accurate in that assessment? Oh, I don't know. I'm not a water skier. I I tried water skiing once, tore my hamstring within three or four feet and gave it up and uh but it appears that they have a lot of fun but i will tell you that as much fun as they have they they work hard set up the sun down they're on the water they work hard in the classroom they you know, do a lot of community service work so yeah it's a lot of fun but you know it's a lot of work to maintain those championships as well totally understand appreciate those comments i'm gonna bring in the team and start introducing people if you don't mind miss parker you'll be our first First of all, welcome to the Raging Review podcast. Uh, if if you haven't uh, if you haven't heard of us before, we also like to have a good time. So, welcome. Just maybe mention a little bit about your experience with the team so far, and then uh, I'm I'm going to probably ask you about the uh, stuff the boat initiative, and we'll we'll go from there after we introduce everybody else. Mm -hmm. 
Perfect. Yeah, like you said, my name is Parker. Uh, I'm the current team captain here at UL, the water ski team. Uh, I personally come from Texas, so not as far as some of the other members, but come here and team's just like a family. It's the best part. Welcome. Well, I appreciate you being here and thanks for choosing to be a raging Cajun. All right, Sage, I know you're sitting in the middle, so I'm going to let you go first. Introduce yourself and then maybe your friends on each side and then we'll go from there. Oh, no. We dropped. Okay, well... Jerry's fault somehow. (laughs) Yeah, Boomer Internet, we got infected. All right, Aaron, Lily, Edo, you guys take it. Let's get some introductions. Guys, England from North Manchester, um, and I'm an MBA student. Um, My name's Lily. Fantastic. I'm from New Zealand, and I'm a graphic design major. I'm Edo. I'm from Italy. And I'm a senior in marketing. Nice. We're gonna have to get into some World Cup conversation before we get off. Absolutely. Of here. No. Oh, I heard nice. Manchester. I heard Italy and New we, Zealand. We just not, like talk about it, please. As an Italian right now, Italy isn't in the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, I know hey, that was kind of where look, I was headed with that. But but the, but you did win Euro last year, so at least you have something there. Yeah, but I think he almost. It's almost worse to win heroes than don't qualify to the World Cup. <laughs> All right, Sage, let's try it again. You guys go ahead. Oh, sorry about that. We hit the wrong button by accident, I think. I'm Sage. I'm from Connecticut. Um, I'm a sophomore studying nursing. I'm Kennedy Hansen. I'm from Minnesota, and I'm a sophomore here at Lafayette. I'm majoring in biology, and it is true that we do have a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, my name is Kirsi Wolfisberg, uh, and I'm from Switzerland, and I'm a sophomore, and I study psychology. Fantastic. Thank you guys for choosing to come here and be part of our university and our community. So we already learned that you guys are from all over the place. Uh, I guess my very first question is, how did you end up in Lafayette, Louisiana? Yeah, there's um, there's only so many schools that you can go to water skiing, so... Obviously, one of my choices was going to be UL. And after just visiting the team, it was a great environment and a really close family bond that you didn't really see with a lot of the other teams. So for me, it was a no-brainer. So for myself, I wanted, I didn't want to stop skiing while I got my university education. Um, and the U.S. in general being very well known for its university sports. Uh, that made me think about it, and I would learn about. I've known about Lafayette, and up in Monroe, they have a ski team as well. I've heard known about the schools in Louisiana for quite a few years before I came. So I thought, you know, hey, that's a great opportunity to get my education and still be able to ski at a high caliber. Um, for me, I was approached by the coach at ULM actually, and I was like, sure, I don't have any other plans. Why not go to the U.S. and study and ski? Sounds like a pretty good deal. So I went to ULM for two years and then visited the team down here and, like, fell in love with the atmosphere that they have down here in Laffey, and I transferred my junior year. So never looked back. So did I hear correctly that you were recruited by ULM Mm -hmm. from New Zealand? Yes, that's correct. You're going to have to explain that connection right there. Well, basically, I ski uh, professionally in, like, regular tournaments outside of collegiate skiing. And 
the water skiing sport's not super big, so everyone kind of knows everyone. And the coach just messaged me on Facebook, actually, and was like, hey, like, I know you ski. Like, do you have any plans for university? And I was like, no, not really. And then we kind of just kept talking. And then from there, I just moved to the U.S., basically. Well, Zuckerberg, connecting the world. (laughs) Go ahead, Edo. Um, I actually knew about Lafayette a couple of years before I came here and I finished high school in the US. I went to, I finished high school in Destin, Florida. I got recruited by my friend from Austria. It was actually my roommate my first two years and I got recruited by him because I knew, I will say like a good 30, 40% of the team when I was getting recruited because of Europeans and tournaments back home. So I got recruited came to visit already knowing that I was going to come here. And my mom made me go to ULM to just check it out. I went for a day and like during the, during the tour, I was like, yeah, I'm going to ULM. So I just, smart, just made a lot smart, of fans. Great buddy. choice. Yeah. Great choice. <laughs> great choice. <laughs> great decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Thank you guys very much. That's very interesting. Sage, how, how did you guys end up here? Um, so me personally, I've always wanted to ski in college, like since like middle school, everything. So when I started looking for colleges to go to, I knew up right away I wanted to like ski in school. Um, I got also reached out to by the ski team and then looked into UL. I actually never even heard of UL until Edo was going here. And I was like, oh, like, cause I would, I've come from somewhere where there's a lot of Bama skiers. So I always knew Bama and I was like, maybe going to go there. But then when I came here, looked at UL, I absolutely fell in love with it here. So that's kind of how I just ended up here. And then you beat him for a national uh, championship. What's yeah, up? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, I knew a lot of skiers that went to UL, but I was also looking at a lot of other schools as well. I, was, I just wasn't sure where I wanted to go. Um, I looked at Monroe a little, but not really. <laughs> also, Alabama, they have a pretty good ski team. Um, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay in Florida because like, a couple years ago I moved to Florida and I trained in Destin, the same place that Edo trains. And he went a year or two before me um, and he always told me about it. And a lot of my friends went here and I got I just got reached out by the team and, and everyone was super nice and super excited whenever I visited. So I just knew it was the place that I wanted to be at and win as a team. For me, uh, it was more like I would go to European championships and I would see like some of the current like uh, UL skiers and like alumni and they would tell me about school here. And I always dreamed about it because I was like, oh, it looks like it's so much fun. Like also with the mix of European like people from all over uh, all over the world. And then I emailed the school and I was like, hey, I'm interested in coming. And then like, I was like, I mean, in my head, I was like, there was no chance I will come here because we have like world champions on our team, European champions. And like, I'm not as good as them. So I was like, I'll try and we'll see. And then they emailed me back and they were really interested in me. And and then, yeah, I, I got a full ride here. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm coming here. And yeah, then I moved here. That's so great. So just in a couple of minutes, I've learned that Destin is a hotbed for water ski. We spent a lot of time out there, Jerry. I don't know. I don't know if Nick does, but Jerry and I definitely spent a ton of time in Destin and 38 and all that area. And then the other thing is that UL is actually worldwide. So all this time we've been saying that it's actually true, Jerry. And Lafayette Absolutely. is like a hundred times better than Monroe. I mean, we already knew <laughs> also that, that, but it's good to hear it from you know people from all over the world. Also, it that solidifies that. So, so 
Next question, and I think you guys kind of touched on this, but it sounds like not only do you compete collegiately, but some of you guys are doing some professional skiing. Is that correct? Did I hear that right? There's a lot. Since we're a club sport, we're not an NCAA sport. We have the ability to compete in professional tournaments. Me, myself, I competed in a few pro tournaments this year over in Europe. Um, it was the first time I've done kind of the pro tour, and that was a really cool experience. You know, skiing with the best of the best is skiing with the people I watched on on live streams on YouTube when I was a kid. That was pretty cool. But we're very fortunate to be able to have the professional ski life as well as the collegiate ski life. Yeah, that's super awesome. How did you do? Uh, I I did pretty good in a couple of tournaments. Made a little bit of money. But yeah, it took it took a it took a while to get there. But it was so fun. It was really good fun. That sounds awesome. Anybody else doing collegiate or excuse me, uh, professional skiing? Um, actually, me and Kenna just uh, last two weekends ago uh, finished the overall uh, Red Bull Pro Tour, uh, completing four four tournaments uh, in Calgary, Austria, France, and Florida. And two weeks ago, I actually got my first pro pro podium. What? So, that is awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you. Wow, and congrats. Ken, uh, and Ken as well. So I didn't go to the first stop in France, um, but it was my first time competing in the pro tour. Um, I went to Calgary and I went to Austria, and that was my first pro win there. So I was super stoked about that. And then, yeah, we just had the last stop in Florida. Went really well for Edo. I was so happy for him, but fortunately I didn't ski the best. But um, yeah, it's really cool because it's collegiate skiing is so different than like skiing for yourself. You have a team behind you. You have people that you want to like ski good for. You have everyone behind you cheering for you. So it's a, it's so so much different than just skiing for yourself and skiing for your coach, I guess. You talk about all these different competitions, and it sounds like all of you have traveled all over the place to compete. But, you know, during those competitions, whether they're big tournaments or little tournaments, talk a little bit about a typical competition day. You know, what time do you arrive? Do you do warm-ups? How long does the actual competition last? Just talk about a little bit about that just to familiarize uh, the fans on just how the schedule works for a, comp a competitive day or a competitive weekend in a tournament. For skiing in general, it's like it's a day's worth or multiple days worth of skiing. A lot of tournaments in Florida, especially, they'll be like three days long, two days long. I'm from Connecticut, so personally, like my backyard tournaments, so to speak, they're like two days a day, but it's a day full of skiing. And so the boat is running all day and people are skiing, judging, scoring. Everyone, if you're not on the water, you're on the shore helping out or watching. There's a, like multiple events in skiing. There's slalom, trick and jump. And so each one of these disciplines requires different types of judges and scorers. And some people are like trained, so to speak, in those and certified to be a judge or scorer. And there's different levels. So it's like for certain tournaments, um, like a pro tournament, you're going to have like the best judges kind of thing at those. And then like a backyard tournament, you can have someone that's like still learning. Um, but a day's worth at a tournament is really just everyone skiing, sitting, watching skiing. Um, some people warm up. Some people don't. It kind of depends on the level of skier. There's no right or wrong answer with anything. It's kind of uh, like what's yeah, right for you. Yeah, and it, for like the world championships or something like like that, it's 
Um, about, yeah, four days, and there's prelims and finals. So depending on whether or not there's prelims and finals, if you make those finals or not, um, you may only ski one day or two days, or you, you may ski every day. It just really depends on the tournament. But in like collegiate skiing, it's a little bit different. Um, we all go as a team. Uh, we take ourselves to tournaments in the region in the fall. Um, also in the spring as well, we have two tournaments, but our main season is, is in the fall. Uh, we go as a team. We stay in hotels over, you know, we, over in Texas, up in Monroe. Um, we are in, in Arkansas sometimes. We all get up at like 7 o'clock in the morning. Tournament starts at 8. Um, in, it's, it's very it's different to how we run things in like professional tournaments. So everyone's in the vans getting, going to the lake at the same time. Everyone's cheering their teammates on. Um, none of the team ever miss a skier that's on the water. We all cheer for our team members at every tournament, not just nationals. And for like me personally and Aaron as well, like I'm a certified senior judge and Aaron's a certified driver. So whenever I'm done skiing, I'll, I'll go help out with the tournament and do some judging. And Aaron will be driving a lot of the skiers at the tournaments as well. Just basically it's a family sport. Like we all hang out at the lake together, help out, ski, cheer each other on, like pretty much the whole vibe. Yeah, so I would totally, I'm, I'm like Ryan. I would I would break something if I <laughs> try to get on the water. Um, so, I mean, it's amazing watching the tricks and the different, the different uh, skills that you guys have. That is just completely impressive. Um, speaking of tricks and jumps and, and things of that nature, can you explain... Uh, what are some of the terms you guys use for the different types of jumps that you do, the tricks that you do? Um, maybe even tell us what's the hardest one for you that you have to try to pull off. Uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with you guys. Maybe Aaron, you want to tell us what's the most difficult trick for you and what it's called? So there's there's three different events in skiing. There's slalom tricks and jump. I'm best at slalom. Jumps my second event, and I don't really trick that often anymore. It just it kind of happens. One one event kind of subsides, unless you're like Kenna and Edo, who who do all three events. But me myself, I'm a tall guy. I'm a slalomer. Um, so I guess the hardest one is tricks for me. It's honestly it's finding the willpower to go out and trick. That's the hardest bit for me. Like the flips, because I'm a, I'm tall. That's really hard. Um, but slalom is my favorite event. Okay, but, time out. We got you. You ladies are all laughing, so we got to find out what you were laughing at while he was talking. <laughs> no, um, it's just funny because Aaron is a very big guy, <laughs> so to be able to do tricks like flips, um, and toes and anything, you need to have a lot of balance. And he's very good on a slalom ski, slalom ski. Because going around the buoys, like, it's very good and beneficial to be super tall in slalom. However, in tricks, it is, it's considered better to be, like, um, smaller. It's like gymnastics in that sense. Smaller, like, thinner, right. and everything. So, um, yeah, it's just funny to hear him say that. With fan Aaron, I saw him trick, and he's impressive. No, but he's, he's a great trick skier when he does trick. That is very true. Yeah. Yeah. So slalom's my favorite event. Boat goes down the middle of a course. You go around six boys. You stop at the end. Boat speeds up by two mile an hour. 
guy guys short under the line at 36 mile an hour girls short on the line at 34 mile an hour um once you get to those speeds to make it harder they start pulling the line in um so it gets shorter each time so you run six boys short on the line run six boys short on the line and the winner is basically yeah so being tall in that sense helps you with your reach getting out to the boy line um but you know the the winner is the person who gets the most boys on the shortest line length yeah just had an alumni from our team just break the european record in slalom wow that's impressive uh, that's awesome they win the women's world open world championships in slalom that's incredible what's her name jamie bull she was here last semester like she was here not these nationals but the nationals before she graduated in the spring of 20 22. Yeah. All right. So she was, she was a student here when she became world champion. Yes. Wow. That's sick. And a few weeks later, we won nationals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Who's the, which one's the bigger one? We don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Parker, one question for you. Uh, obviously, Alabama went down. You guys took the natty. Who are some other prominent universities that we could, you know, drop a name and we'd be like, whoa, you guys beat them. What are some other, you know, nationally recognized universities around uh, in the ski world? Well, probably the most prominent one is, of course, Monroe. Very, very happy to beat Monroe, of course. Um, But other schools uh, that we compete against um, just in our region, uh, we compete against the University of Texas, Texas A&M, Texas State. So those are just a couple of schools that we beat, but Alabama and Monroe are probably the most satisfying. So being from Texas, beating UT and Texas A&M, they aren't for you the most satisfying? Nah, <laughs> it's always Monroe. I'd say just like on level of competition, um, we're closer, we're competing more against Bama and Monroe than we are really a lot of the other Texas schools. So that's why they're more satisfying. Are there are there any other in-state schools in Louisiana that you compete against, or is it just mainly Monroe? Uh, currently, it is just us in Monroe that compete collegiately. In the past, um, LSU had a ski team. However, they no longer have one. Nice. So you guys compete in, I think it's six tournaments each year, right? We have usually four or five tournaments in the fall and two in the spring. Okay. So, and that's usually around Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, right? Yes. Typically, um, most of the schools are held in Texas. Um, Monroe will host a tournament every fall, and we ourselves host our own tournament in the spring. And where do you guys host that at? Uh, we host Fleur to Ski, which is our annual tournament at our own practice site, uh, which is called Airport Lake. It's right behind the airport. And uh, every year, it should be in April. The dates haven't been set yet, but we always host it and have a good time. So, guys, tell me a little bit about the Lafayette tournament. What's the vibe? What's the atmosphere like? Um, and just in general, do you get more hyped up to be playing and playing uh, skiing in front of the home crowd? And can we go and watch? Yes. And yes. can we go and watch? <laughs> For sure. Definitely. I think Florida Ski was one of the coolest tournaments, obviously, besides nationals that for collegiate skiing. It was really cool, like putting on a, an event as a team because we all work together a lot. Um, and also we get so much support from the community already. Um, but around Florida ski time, we see even more support from the community. Um, a lot of our food um, comes from donations. And so that's one way we also like can make money is by like some food at the during the tournament. Um, and all of it's like donated. Um, yes, yeah, so you guys see the questions. Um, yeah, so can you guys see the questions? <laughs> at the yeah. lake, there's plenty of alligators, no sharks. 
no sharks. <laughs> we have had some um, pretty close encounters with alligators. However, they're usually very scared of the boat. Um, some of them can be ab- aggressive, and in that case, we'll have them taken out of the lake. Um, but our lake actually connects to a swamp, so there's no like no stopping them from really coming in. So is there natural habitat? I, they just go away. I'm sincerely more scared of the garfish than yeah. than the gators. Gators don't really they they're chill. They, they stay out of your way. I have some pretty close garfish just eating like I've like a wild skiing. I see this. Six, seven feet, car, car just big splash, just big year. splash, like a meter from me or whatever okay, feet. Okay, let's go. Like, oh, let, let maybe let's go in or like yeah. change side. Uh, like I, uh, I dropped the in the water the other day, and my ski hit something as I was like sinking down uh-huh. into the water, and we were in the middle of the lake, and I was like, okay, that's definitely a fish because there's nothing out here, and I was like, okay, let's go, let's go, like start the boat. <laughs> oh. I was so I, a garfish are the ugliest fish known to mankind. <laughs> terrible. terrible. They eat all our boys. You know, the whole thing about the alligator, you know, it's just it's just toughing you up. That's why you guys are so successful because you go through the hard knocks with the alligators and the garfish. <laughs> uh, we don't awesome. fall. If you fall, that's what we say to the recruits. If you fall, yes. we say eat by a gator. So just don't fall. Kirsty, um, <laughs> Kirsty, first semester, she was practicing and she saw one go by, and she was practicing a tr- a new trick. Luckily, she she made it. <laughs> That's awesome. So, obviously, you guys kind of talked about the tournaments and things like that. What does the road to the national championship look like? Is basically everything kind of dependent upon the last tournament of the season? Like, do, do you qualify for the tournament? How does that work? Yes. So, we do have to qualify for nationals. Um, we do have a regional tournament every year, a uh, different location usually. But... Um, the winner of regionals will automatically go to nationals. So the past several years, we've automatically gone to nationals um, without having to worry about qualifying. Um, However, otherwise it is done by point system. So they put all of our scores against everybody else that skis with us. And then we qualify that way. Got it. And so I, in my research, I noticed that they take individual points and then they also accumulate team points. So are there any, individual national champions among us and are there any all-americans among us um yes i actually won um as a freshman my first national collegiate nationals in tricks and this year i won it overall which is solemn tricks and jump combined together um i was pretty stoked about that uh it was pretty cool because my strongest discipline in skiing i would say is overall um and also another one of our teammates won beside me in the men's category, and he also won overall. So it was cool. We also got the team title, and two people on our team got the overall titles for individual. So when you say overall, you mean? Yeah, it's solemn trick and jump, and all your points from them, they have like this system, but all of your points combined give you a overall score and then they get compared with other overall skiers that are seen. So if someone only does slalom, they cannot like, they're not available for the overall title, but just anyone else who is doing all three events at collegiate nationals um, is fighting for the overall title. Last year, uh, this year I I was injured, so I I didn't actually get to compete this year, but last year uh, when the, Nationals is over in uh, Bennett's Water Ski Wakeboard School over in Zachary in Baton Rouge. I came back with the win in men's slalom. 
I think your freshman year. I, I yeah, I won trick my freshman year in 2019. So the first national that we won, it was the first man band, mm-hmm. and the first day, and yeah, I won trick. It was the end of the day. It was incredible. Yeah. So basically, we understand that you guys pretty much run the team yourselves. I mean, it's basically a student-run situation. Like, do you guys split responsibilities? Do some of you take care of the equipment? Do some of you fundraise? Uh, maybe talk to us about how you guys actually run your organization. It uh, it is mostly student-run. Um, for equipment, uh, every person takes care of their own skis. Every member, um, in what event they do, they have their own personal equipment. So pretty much everyone will take care of that. However, when it comes to our course and our site, we do pretty much all the maintenance ourselves. So anytime there's a problem with the course, uh, we'll go out there ourselves and we fix it. Um, actually, a couple of years ago, the hurricane destroyed our jump ramp. And we had to fundraise and fix it ourselves. Because um, so water skiing is not an NCAA sanctioned sport, and it is a, an organ, a student-run organization. What what do you do to fund the program, and how do you fundraise? Uh, we do get some funding from the school, which is extremely helpful. However, we do take a lot of donations from previous alumni that help run the team, and just various other sponsors that helps out the team a lot. Yeah, we're very grateful to our alumni who who have done well for themselves or, you know, help in any way that they can to help fund us, give us any help any other way than funding as well. You know, a few years ago, we were stuck for a boat. One of our alumni stepped up. Uh, Joe Spell of Tides Medical stepped up. He said, hey, you know, you guys need some help. I'll help you. We'll help you get your get you guys a boat. So we're very thankful to people like him, alumni as well, like Harry Spaven. He's come on as a assistant team coach recently uh, as a new role. And he's had a lot of insight for us. Uh, He was a previous team captain when he was a student here. So we're very thankful for him as well. Do you guys get scholarships to ski or do you... Do they do the tops thing or so you guys do get scholarships to ski. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. I didn't know if it worked because it was a club sport. And, you know, I was just very curious about how that went down. It's kind of like a weird in between. I say there's definitely, like we said, like we do get some support from the school and we're super thankful for it. The reason why a lot of like Louisiana and also um, ULM are like two of like the bigger schools is also because they're two big scholarship schools. They're more known for recruiting and for being able to give scholarships. And so if you just look at the composition of the teams, you'll see a lot more international students than Americans. UL is prone usually to have like way more international students than Americans. Currently, right now, we have, I think, more Americans yes. than we typically do. We have, I think, more Americans than Europeans right now um, and just like international students in general. But one of the reasons why we are so fortunate to be able to have all these people from everywhere is because of these scholarships and the support from the school. My freshman year, um, we had... Three Americans on the team. My freshman semester as well. We had like four. And like four. now I think it's about eight. It's like nine or ten. ten. But a lot of us aren't, we aren't local. None of us are from Louisiana. The closest people are from Texas or Florida, I guess. But all of us, like I'm from Connecticut. We have a girl from California, Ohio. Mm-hmm. We're, all, we're all over the state or I mean the country and also um, just the world in general. So it's pretty cool. See that? Raging Cade water skiing, just bringing the world together. I love right. it. I yeah, love exactly. It. Well, our own little and of course, family. 
Yeah. There you go. Hey, we're glad that we're definitely ecstatic to have all of you here. So please bring them more, bring more, bring some more good water skiers. But of course, your, the water ski team is led by coach Ryan Gonzalez. Of course, he was here earlier, but to each of you talk a little bit about coach Gonzalez and what he means to you and this water skiing program. Uh, I personally like love Ryan. Ryan helped us help me so much to come here, coming, get into the school with uh, a scholarship and I, I see him as like head of the old team. He just, he just make sure that we have what we have, what, what we need to practice, like to ski our best. And I know I, I just love Ryan. Great set. Um, <laughs> great guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, we don't need help in terms of coaching each other and driving each other. We do that ourselves out of the lake. We go out whenever we like. Another beauty of not being an NCAA sport, honestly, we get to go out whenever we want. We don't have to be up at six o'clock in the morning running around the field, uh, <laughs> which I'm very thankful for myself. Um, but like Ryan helps us in so many other ways. He helps us with connections to university. I know personally, I've had problems with some classes. I text Ryan. He says, oh, I'll text my mate, my friend. I'm like, how, how do you know this person? Like, so he's got so many connections within the university itself that he can help us with almost anything also helps that he's good friends with dr Bowie as well so he can he can call him up if we ever have any issues um but yeah it, he's, he does so much more than what his name title suggests ryan is one of the biggest reasons why i came here because he reached out to me so much and always provided me with so much information on the school and anything we ever could need. Um, he'll do his best to give it to us or to help us in any circumstance. So um, he's always there for us. So yeah, he really means a lot to all of us. Even though he doesn't ski, we still love him. Straight. I definitely think Ryan, like, like Kenna said, there's a lot of information when you're coming into the school. My dad has a lot of questions. He was answering all the questions. He is not afraid to go and help you out or help your family out in any circumstance. And here at UL, one of the biggest reasons why I chose to come here is because I knew coming into school, I wanted a ski team that felt like a family. And we do so many things on and off the water together. Obviously, we all coach each other, ski with each other. A lot of us work out together at like CrossFit Acadiana or Ragin. Um, and we do a lot of things together on and off the water, which is amazing. And Really, Ryan, because he's not necessarily like on the water coach. I feel like he's very much so our like family coach, if that makes sense. He keeps us all together and he like makes sure that we're all connected, I guess. And we all already are, but it just it's really nice having a family here that we all can rely on when our families are a thousand miles away. So it's really nice. Sounds like Ryan's all right. Yeah, and I can tell you from my few uh, interactions with him, he's been uh, a A plus guy. So. Uh, all checks out. This is something I get asked all the time. First of all, when are you guys going to get the water ski team on? Second question, how do we go watch them? So if I'm just a regular person in Lafayette and I want to go check you guys out, how do I go to, well, we'll just say the event in April uh, in Lafayette. How exactly does that work? Are there tickets? Do you guys, do people just show up? Is there, you know, is there protocol of any kind? Help us with that, Parker, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, no, there's no tickets. It is open to the public. We have a spot on the lake. Usually we set up tents and seating. So people can just come show up and watch. Uh, we normally put out flyers and post on social media once we know the dates and the times. So we can let everybody know. Anybody can come. Okay, that. And then the other question, and I, got, I had the same question as uh, Carson T here. So obviously you guys look like you have a ton of spirit and, and everything I've seen you guys do from, like I said, my research yeah, you you having a good time. You you guys are life of the party. So, if there is another sport that you all follow, what is it, and what's your favorite? And I'm sure the answer is volleyball because that's what everybody says. Um, personally, I love the football team. I love watching them, and was really sad to see them lose. They pretty upset, but yeah, I guess that's the main um team that we follow here on campus. Um, I know. We also follow basketball. I yeah, guess, we, in yeah. The winter. Yeah, we all go to the basketball games. We'll go to a lot of games together. Like we'll text in the group chat and be like, "Hey, who wants to go to the game tonight?" Or I'm going to the game with blah 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 blah, and who wants to come? So we typically go to the games together. Um, obviously, this last weekend we were recognized um, on the field, which was a huge honor. Um, last year when we went on that was really cool. I'm a sophomore right now, and so coming in freshman year with. Um, winning back-to-back because they won it back in 2019 before I was here and being recognized on the field like they were back in 2019. It's just, it's an honor that the school gives us and it's really cool to um, get recognized in front of the student crowd because like we said, like a lot of people know about the ski team, but a lot of people also don't. Some people are like, no way, that's so cool. I know this person. And then other times people don't really know about us. So getting that recognition in front of the whole school is really cool. So yeah, we follow a lot of sports, love the sporting events and just cheering on. So. Lily? What do you like? You're, you like volleyball, don't you? No, like, personally, coming from New Zealand, I had never seen American football before. And, like, my first two years of college, I think, I was like, what is this sport? Like, they're not even playing half the time. They're just standing around talking to each other. <laughs> hey, listen, this is a fact. In American football, there's 11 minutes out of a three-and-a-half-hour game of actual action. It's a, You can look it up. Exactly. 11 minutes, no. like, roughly 11 minutes. Like, oh, I was wrong. so confused. I was like, what is happening? Like, And it, in my country, rugby is, like, the biggest sport, which is basically football, but, like, without all the protection. And it's just, like, brutal. <laughs> real, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By so, protection, you mean pageantry. I Once somebody actually explained, it took two years for someone to explain me the rules. And then I was like, oh, actually, like, this is really interesting. And then I enjoyed watching it. And then, yeah, we all go to the games together. So We also have, like, a fantasy football league within our ski team as well. So that gets a bit competitive every now and then as well. Um, but, I beat yeah. this guy two years ago oh, for the win. In the final as well. Mm-hmm. No, for sure, like... I feel like football is my favorite, and then I I always love basketball. So it's it's really cool to see the team in spring semester. Um, yeah, like I'm a from Italy. I'm a big soccer guy, and in the beginning when I moved to Florida, my coach was a huge football guy. So we had yeah we had fights of what sport was better. And about my sophomore year in college, I kind of started liking football. So now I'm I'm really into it, and I love the I love to go watch games. We live literally like five minutes walk from the stadium. So that is great. Uh, where in Florida were you? Me? Uh, Destin, Santa Rosa Beach. The, ne- the town right that. next way is like Santa, yeah, Santa Rosa is not Destin yet. I, hey, that's where I'm at. That's my, I got a place in Santa Rosa, dude. Where? where? Uh, so Bayside, do you know where there's a little park uh, right on the bay? If you, if you yeah. 
I'll I'll tell you after the show because I don't want anybody coming to my. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to say, man. <laughs> no, no, I kind of got lost for a second. Park, Parker, uh, what, what's your deal? On the other side of Highway 98. On the other, uh, on the which on the ba- on the bay side. The bay oh, side. Yeah. From the yeah. the restaurant Louis Louis. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like if there's a, oh, a road that goes across, that's where we at. There's three lakes there that. Um, a lot of us train at actually. Yeah, me included as well. All right. Well, wear your red. I'll come talk to you. Parker, baseball. No. Personally, it's basketball. Basketball? Okay. <laughs> baseball? Mm, can't do it. <laughs> He's got these people from all over the place. They don't know how good it is. Mm. Jer- Jerry, so Nick Nick was a PA for baseball and basically grew up with our uh, our former coach, Tony Robichaux, so we're all baseball folks, but uh, of course we follow everything. You know, we do a podcast and things like that. Of course. Before we get you guys out of here, last thing. Uh, how do we contact you if we want to follow the program? Uh, if we want to find you guys individually, I guess social media is probably the best way to do it. But uh, if you could tell the folks out there a good way to follow the team, please do that. So I run the social media for our team. So on Instagram, our name is Cajun Ski. We post uh, regularly, and we also have a Facebook page. So it's uh, Raging Cajun Water Ski Team. Um, so, yeah, those are the two main places where you can find us on social media. We also have our website, uh, Raging Cajun, RagingCajunWaterSki.com. Um, we also do a lot of events in the local community. Uh, tomorrow, actually, we are doing um, – a canned food drive and clothing drive at Rouse's on Bertrand called Stuff the Boat from 6 to 9. So you can find us on social media and all around the community. Thank you for circling back to that because I think I started and totally skipped it. You're on the way to the game <laughs> tomorrow. You know, you'll see us over at Rouse's. Give us a, give us a, we'll take cash donations as well. Any non-perishable goods. Uh, we'll be going to the uh, Catholic Charities of Acadiana um any any clothing uh non-perishable goods canned canned foods anything like that um but if you don't have any of that we we are going to be right next to a grocery store so you can go and buy some yourself go buy a pack of ramen something like that i don't know we want to this the event's got bigger and bigger over the past few years we've been doing it so we want to make it the biggest yet so let's get our boat stuffed Appreciate that, Aaron. And Coach Ryan, if I remember right, this is a joint effort between uh, veteran programs and the diocese or the Catholic Charities? Catholic Charities, yeah. Our student veteran organization teams up with these guys every year uh, right before Veterans Day. It's usually done on Veterans Day, but since it's done on – or since Veterans Day falls on a Friday, we decided to do it the the day before. And it's also, you know, game day. So we'll have a lot of traffic right there at Rouse. So it's, it's an opportune time to do it. Uh, right there at Rouse's uh, the day before. And it's a, um, it all benefits the um, Catholic Charities of Acadiana. It used to benefit St. Michael's uh, Homeless Center for the Veterans. Um, this year, the majority of the donations will be going to um, Catholic Charities, and they give that all to the Food Net, which uh, you know all of our homeless veterans do eat right there at the St. Joseph's Diner. Well, we'll do everything we can to drive some traffic to you guys because I think it's a fantastic uh, initiative. Everybody, ladies, gentlemen, appreciate you all joining us. It's been fantastic. I've learned a ton tonight. Uh, I think I speak for the other guys by saying we're humbled to have you all. Uh, you guys represent us so well. Of course, the success is great, but just to see you guys' faces and 
see what kind of individuals you are. I'm thrilled that you're part of our university and that you represent our community. So thanks for coming on. Uh, If you guys have any final thoughts, please, floor is yours. Just thank you for having us. Uh, We feel humbled to be on here. We've seen some of the stuff that you guys have done. It's great. And we're, we'd love to be a part of it. Yeah, it's really cool for you guys to have this. So thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Nick, Jerry, you got anything? Uh, well, I, you know, I'm one of those people for years. I've always known we had a water ski team. And the other thought that crossed my mind was we would win national championships. But now that we can actually meet you, it was an honor to have you guys on. Um, you know, not often we win national championships in many sports. And to have uh, one of our own represent us not only to the country but to the world on the type of, of team we have, that means a lot to us uh, getting recognized, showing that you are the best team in the country. So on behalf of Rage and Review, and as an alum, as a Cajuns fan, thank you for representing us in the best way possible by winning championships and also uh, doing what you do in the community as well. You're a great representation of this university and hope to have you back on soon. We'd love it. Yeah, I'll keep it short. You guys are freaking awesome. Thank you for coming. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys. Bye. Go Cajuns. <laughs> Go Cajuns. <laughs> thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you. Well, that was really cool. Here these guys are talking about, yeah, I went ski in Canada and Switzerland and Austria and and France. And I'm like, well, this I one time I was on a party barge on Lake Arthur and I sat with a beer. That was fun. I think I sunk. I think I sunk a party barge in Lake Austin once. <laughs> I'm so uncultured. Like, are you kidding me? We've done You're nothing. Like 20 years old skiing around the world. Yeah, man. Super cool. Crazy. I think that was that was what's so cool about it. That was one thing I learned is we have so many international uh, student athletes for this water ski team. I mean, Switzerland, New Zealand, England, Italy. Uh, that that is so cool because that you don't think about those type of things. All these international uh, competitors and the fact that they chose us to come play to to play here and or compete here. And um, now that was that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed uh, getting to know these these uh, these really really great ambassadors to our school. So I guess we'll get back to uh, football. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of want to go out and like try to wake skate, but uh, have you you guys ever tried to wake skate? I'd break a shells if I tried to wake skate, whatever that is. Oh, I just man. know it would not be successful. It's I'd like rather... wakeboarding without the boots. No. Okay. That, that, that sounds yeah. awful. <laughs> we did that when we were teenagers. It was a, it was a riot. All right. Moving on to the more serious stuff. Uh, you know, there was a big reaction to our reaction about the, the crowd on uh, for Troy last Saturday. And uh, uh, the reaction I thought was appropriate from us. I mean, I thought that the public reacted kind of the way we expected them to, you know, 10% mad that we even pointed it out. And the rest of the 90% mostly said, yeah, this is a problem. So I thought it was something that we should bring up, kind of cap it, put put a bow on it. You know, we all know how we got here. We we talk about this regularly but between us three, and there's a few others that we talk about. I wanted to give Jerry the opportunity to kind of lay it all out from a timeline standpoint from like 2010, 2011 to now. So basically a decade of all the little things that people forget that happened and why we got 7,888 people to pay for a football game. And some of it, it'll probably kind of jog your memory of where we started in 2010 at the end of Bustle. The things that occurred during 
HUD, the things that occurred during Napier, and then everything that has precipitated to this point in the season now. I think after we kind of lay it all out, it makes a whole a hell of a lot more sense. And then, you know, then we can go from there. But Jerry, I know you prepared for that. So let's let's go back to 2010, end of bustle, insert HUD. Where are we at this point? How do we feel as a fan base in 2010? So I guess I'll just break it down like this. Really what happened was you had a few events in between those tw- this 12-year span up until today that has caused a little bit of friction within our fan base to really commit. So, for example, you take the end of Bustle, okay? You go 3-9. and nine. One of those losses, pretty much the icing on the cake for his tenure here, was that Western Kentucky game at homecoming 2010. That was my senior year. That was their. That was Western Kentucky's first FBS win, and it was it was a, they had a twenty eight game losing streak going in, beat us by thirty three at home, again on our homecoming. So you had fifteen thousand for that one. At that point, everybody knew the it was the end of Coach Bustle's tenure here. Okay, in comes Coach Hud. He brings energy. He talks about how we're that ticking time bomb waiting to explode, and how. You know, where the fans have to light the fuse, and so he brought excitement. He brought energy, and at the time. You didn't have ESPN Plus. You didn't have all of these different streaming networks to watch games. What happened was, at the time when Coach Bustle came in, there was a yearning to want to win. Even during Coach Bustle's years, even when we would go 6-6, six and six, that picture we posted on Raging Review Twitter for the homecoming in 2008. We went 6-6 six and six that year. We had 29,000 people. At the time, we were well, so hungry to... If I can say this real quick, we came off of a 3-9 and nine season, and, and that game... We were four and three playing FIU. We weren't, we weren't playing USM. We weren't playing uh, App State. We weren't playing Coastal. We were playing FIU coming off of a three and nine season and four and three. I just want to give some perspective before we go any further. Well, remember, that was also the game where Terrell Fenroy had that four thing where he clinched that 1,000 yard season, making, making it four straight 1,000 yard seasons. But. With that said, that same day, we like to talk about LSU has games on the same day. LSU played Tulane that day in Baton Rouge. So they had a game in Baton Rouge, and we still had 29,000 people attend our homecoming game against FIU. House. I was, if you look at the picture, I'm on the rail in the student section. I mean, I had to be in my, my spot an hour before kickoff. So you had all of those times where we were just so close to getting over that hump and people were just anticipating victory and anticipating consistent wins. And then you had that 2010 season that I mentioned, and then in comes HUD with the energy that I talked about. And then you go on a six and one run to start the season. And so really what happened that 2011 season, including that New Orleans Bowl win, was winning was new. Winning was new. You had a nine and four record. It was your first time you had won since 1993. You had won that many games. So winning was new from 2011 to 2014, including the New Orleans Bowl victories and the way HUD was able to market the program and did all of these things that got fans to the game. And then again, ESPN Plus was a new thing. So you didn't really have many games that were televised. People would just go to the game. So during that time, that was probably the peak of our fan support on a consistent basis. We averaged anywhere from 25 to 28,000 uh, all the way from 2011 to 2014. They decided to add seats in the end zone because the talk of building the new stadium or redoing the upper deck was uh, was was just getting started. And they figured, they, I guess the administration figured, well, we're bringing this many people. We're going to put all, you know, we're going to add seats to the end zone, which would basically compensate for the attendance. Well, 
fast forward um, to 2015, you go four and eight. You go four and eight. And now the attendance is going from 22 to 23,000 down to 16 to 17,000. And then 2016, that was the year where I think you had the, that was the straw that broke the camel's back, the locker room video. We had already started the season, I believe, like four and five or four and six. We had the losing season the year before in 2015. Then the locker room video hits. And of course, that was during the time, of course, when uh, we had the 2016 presidential election. We know on a national scale how intense that was. And I know that rubbed a lot of fans here the wrong way. And then when Coach Hud made the comments about, well, if you voted for a certain candidate, you're this or this or this. That was the point where I think the fans were like, I'm done. And I know Coach Hud had mentioned that in his interview with us, how if there were some things he could change, it was how he approached that video. But a lot of people didn't come back because of that. And that was the beginning of the end, not only for Coach Hud, but the attendance. Because in 2017, that was the first year we didn't have, we never, we never eclipsed a crowd of 20,000 or more which was the first time in almost 20 years that that had happened. And then because hey, we Jerry, lost Jerry, real all quick, that trust. One, another thing that happened, the way that he handled the sanctions, the way that he handled... I forgot how, to mention that. The, so if anybody doesn't remember, you know, we got in trouble for... We got put on probation. We, we, got, we got put on probation because yeah. of, of ACT stuff. And, and what my biggest takeaway as a supporter was, HUD went around, and, and he'll tell you this... And people know. I mean, this is this is old news. He went around telling our supporters and our biggest donors, it's fine. We're going to get off. We got nothing. They're not going to do anything. Well, they took away a lot of scholarships. And they got and they and they took back our bowl wins. Yeah. And some regular season wins because of uh, Quinn Griffin. And I'm glad so, you mentioned that. So so not only did he had already his his trust was already being eroded with that. Then the locker room thing that happened. Then his reaction to the locker room thing happened. And then we started losing. Yep. It was a snowball effect. And so that's when 2017, that Georgia Southern game, uh, the last game of the season, the student section looked exactly like it did last week. I remember, Josh, we were talking about that even back then. We were like, yeah, this is it. You go from 28, 29,000 a game. And I think they said it was 13,000, but the crowd was probably just as much as last weekend. And that's when in comes Billy Napier. Billy Napier, it took him two or three years up until COVID to actually build trust back into the fan base from all of that backlash that we got three or four. That's three or four years of just uh, of, of bad attendance. And that's why I think it took Billy a long time to get the crowd back. And then right when we're about to back, COVID hits. So, you know, in 2020, you, you know, we had 6,000 people, but that was because it was it was limited capacity. And then in 2021, last year, uh, after we had won in 2020, you did get 24, 25,000 to some of these Saturday games. But the problem was we had a few games on Thursday night later in the year. It was cold. That It was Thanksgiving weekend. So we weren't getting the big crowds we expected. But last year, we had just started getting those crowds back. But if you take into consideration, we got on, we got our probation. You had the you had the locker room video, you know. A lot of fans remember those days back in the late '90s during the Audemars era, where we just didn't give money. And a lot of fans are at the point they're like, "Why bother? Why should I go?" You know. And I know it's a crazy, a sad excuse, but a lot of fans just it's it's that CDS Cajun Cajun well, disaster syndrome. I okay, think that on that point, with it. and I'm going to ask Nick this because I I, I want to get his opinion. When you have the success, you star for success, right? When when HUD gets here, you have the success. 
Cajuns fans, Cajuns alumni, you know, past athletes, they're in. They're bought in. We all saw it. When you average 30,000, people are bought in. The community, for sure. When you get put on probation and you, you, they basically told you you were cheating. You know, I remember feeling as a fan, and I mean, I mean, we're the most diehard as it gets, but I remember feeling as a fan, oh, well, that's how we did it. And well, I don't care if other people did do it. I, I know everybody does it, but we had never dealt with that before. Not like that. But so I want Nick, you to take, I'm sorry, Nick, before you go, I want to take one thing into consideration for a lot of fans that have been around for decades. People still remember the basketball problem back in the seventies. You're ranked in the top five or top 10. Then you get the death penalty. There was a lot of deja vu when we got on probation in 2015, considering the fact that that was really the best stretch of four years of Cajuns football that we've ever experienced. And then half of the wins get taken away because you cheated. So to a lot of fans, it's like, well, heck man, if, you know, just like basketball, if we, if we get caught cheating in basketball back in the day and we did this again, again, it goes back to the two words, why bother? And then of but course, last year, don't you fast, you but, but then it goes to this year. But what I'm saying is it goes to this year as well where now we're not winning all of a sudden, you know? Well, and I think it just, it keeps, it's that vicious cycle of why bother? Why bother? Why bother? Why bother? That, you're right. That's why we're, where we are. You're right about the cycle. I was going to say we were at an all-time high with momentum. And we, are, we people were bought in. What is the worst thing that can happen? They both happened. You're a cheater, and now you're calling me an idiot because of my political beliefs. Those two things, you told... Look, regardless of how you believe anything, Hutzpah's biggest donors voted for the guy that they were trashing in the locker room. That's a fact. You, you, can't, you can't challenge that. I mean, you got to know as a coach and a, and a public figure, you steer clear of that stuff. You, you avoid it like the plague. And he said, he said it to us, right? It was a mistake. I mean, he didn't even believe what he was saying. And I do believe when him when he says that because I think he was just trying to have the players' backs. Um, so, yeah, I get it. But but we still got to do better as a community, man. I mean, we've got a, an FBS ranked, formerly ranked team show up to the games. Just show up to the games. And I get there there are these issues out there, but but we make the atmosphere. And it's our only team in Lafayette. And again, we pride ourselves so much on culture. And so much on, on how we support each other. But we got to show up to these games and support these kids who chose to come here. That could have gone other places. That were offered to go other places. But they they chose us. And I feel like we're not choosing them as a community. We fans are. We're supporting them. But our community, for whatever reason, and we could talk about the reasons. We have talked about the reasons. Just don't get involved with the team unless we're winning. As soon as there is a slight bump in the road and it gets uncomfortable, there, there's one excuse of many that you can use to not go to the games. And I think that's what it really comes down to is we have to eliminate as many excuses and barriers for people to go to the games as possible. Winning or losing, we can, we can only do so much because talent, you know, we got to play the game in the end. But remove the other barriers, such as the cost of tailgating now for some of the RV spots and, and the, the concessions issues and the parking issues, once you start removing those barriers, I think things will, will improve. Not We're not going to get 29000 on a on a Thursday night, but I think they will improve a little bit. I, but again, and we've talked about it, we've got to make going to the game the place that you want to be. We look at the ice skaters. They were drawing 12,000 fans for a double-A hockey team, and, and they were winning, and, and it slowly declined. Attendance slowly declined. They were still winning, 
but it went down because they overpriced the tickets. They made it more difficult for you to go to the games, and it just wasn't. It just wasn't as fun. It's a case study of why we shouldn't follow that model. Exactly. Exactly. So I think we, I think we might have grown up a little too fast and asked for for bigger donations for things. Um, But but if you're getting the money, then great, you can raise the prices. But then when you don't have the audience to pay those prices anymore, you got to reevaluate what what people will pay to to be in those spots because like i told you a couple pods ago i was sitting out there just casually listening to people that saying why we we tailgated out here for years but they just outpriced us we can't afford it anymore and i'm looking down and it's empty i'd rather get something you know a a little bit of something and have it full than get a whole lot of nothing and we can we can do an entire pod on tailgating and maybe we will maybe it deserves an entire pod because at one time we were known for tailgating you know, and, and I remember the big argument back then was how do we get the people in the parking lot into the stadium? Well, now we need to figure out how to get the people back in the in the in the fence in in the tailgating area because that's really where you start. But I, I think you made a comment about how we grew up too fast. I just think that we raised the prices to our arbitrary numbers. We started calling App State. We started calling, uh, you know, all these other people were coming from Auburn and Texas A and M and Missouri, and we're calling all these other people saying, "Oh, what do you guys charge?" Oh, that's way more than what we charge. How 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 can we how can we not charge that? It's arbitrary. And, and, our, and not only and that, our fans didn't know how to act to it. You price not only did you price them out of Cajun Field, but LSU was welcoming them with open arms for less money than they paid before. Dude, let me tell you, me and me and Jerry had this conversation on the phone today. When you try to promote yourself as a value, you can't then. How do we say it, Jerry? Today it was. They're, the minimum TAF donation is like 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. And they treat those minimum donation $50 people as if they're $50,000 donors. And we treat the $1,000 donors like they're $50 donors. And, and we, we don't, it, it is a shame that TAF can handle quadruple, 10 times over the amount of members that we can. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a small family operation, essentially, no smaller family operation. But TAF does a much better job of handling their donors because they understand that this is the lifeblood of the pro- of the program. Like we need these private do- these donors, and we need these people to always be happy with our product. I don't know if the if the Louisiana Art Rage Cajun Foundation uh, Athletic Foundation has figured that out yet. And you can you can tell me they're understaffed. You can tell me all that stuff. It's like I said on the post game. If you don't have money to promote and you don't have money to have staff people in place to take care of the people that invest in you, you shouldn't be in business. Well, you know, the reason why we gave this perspective since the end of the bustle era is because we wanted, basically, I wanted to give people a historical perspective of the fans having the wool pull over their heads more than once during that 12 year span. And when you get on probation, when you, when you lose, when you basically feel that you got insulted by the head coach, you know, then COVID hits, you lose trust within the fan base when when all of these things happen, because again, we go back to the days of the eighties and nineties when the administration said, well, I don't have to give any, give any money to athletics. I don't have to fund athletics. Good luck. Good luck. And then you see the result on the field, which is just consistent, just terrible losing to bad teams and just bad quality of opponents and bad experiences and everything. I think at this point, the, the, what I guess what the perspective I'm bringing now is okay. So in spite of all this and to answer a question we have from a fan on thoughts on what we can do to get past this why bother phase. You have to win the event. 
we've talked about it before. You have to win the event. And prime example, we pay however much for tickets. And I don't care the value for our game compared to this other school and that, that other school. When you pay for tickets and you have to pay for your, your seat donation or whatever, you're paying for the event. In other words, you're paying for the experience. So when you pay a premium or you pay how much for your ticket, but then your experience is uh, the school board or the, 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 the speakers being too loud or you're waiting in line for 50 minutes for a, a, a dry hot dog or you can't go to the bathroom because of this and you got the, the beer, the beer lines too long and you, these, these experiences, people aren't going to pay for that. They're not going to pay a premium for a bad experience. So that's where I think the solution to that is you have to win the event. We talk about game day operations all the time because that's the event itself. You have to win that because that's how you get people to come back, especially in Lafayette. We have a reputation for festivals. We have a reputation for things like Rhythms on the River. It's very laid back, but there is a value to it because people find a way to have a good time and it's affordable. That's what you're competing against in Lafayette. This isn't 40 years ago when the Cajuns game was the only thing in town. Lafayette's quadrupled in size. It's quadrupled in things to do. Back in 1985, Youngsville didn't have 10 different events going on. The Cajun Dome wasn't even built, so you didn't have competition there. So you have all of these events now that you're competing against. So you have to be able to create an event which a family of four can say, number one, I can afford it. And number two, I'm going to get my money's worth at the Cajuns game. Then some event going on at Sugar Mill Pond or, or River Ranch. And I, I, but I, I will go back to the fact that we still need the community to support, to support the team because for so many years, we just have excuse after excuse after excuse of why we don't. Well, this other team's playing. Well, they do this. Oh, well, we do that. Part of that needs to be, I will die on this sword. We have got to connect with the community better. We got to see more of what we saw on social media this week. Every single game for every single sport and we got to get a damn mascot to the schools to get the kids to want to come in. Again, the, if the kids tell mommy and daddy they want to go to the game, mommy and daddy are going to take the kids to the game. But we got to have something the kids can relate to. So we got to get a mascot. Well, I'm let's talk about the way, episode for the sh- rest of the shout out to shout out to the softball team who went around the elementary schools this week. Yes, and read to the kids. Fantastic. Almost like somebody almost like somebody was listening uh, to the hollering and screaming this past week. Well, let, let's talk that. Let's talk about that for a little bit. So we've noticed that there's been a blitzkrieg from the university and administrators to really push fans to go to this game. Uh, we did it all over social media. The hashtag pack Cajun field is, is that the campaign is, is, is just going, going crazy in a good way. Let's talk about that a little bit. The initiative to get people to go to the game against Georgia Southern. Last home game, right? Trying to get the students, the students into it again. They're pushing things on campus. Why 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 not do that every game? Why not That's do that every missing. game? Exactly. It shouldn't take us getting on and and look, what I love about this platform that we have that you guys created and started and make happen and I just joined in at the end and take all the credit for. What, what's so great about this medium is that we get to speak on behalf of the fans. Now, not every fan's going to agree with what we say or our, our position on things, but in general, all the fans want more people at our, all of our sporting events, especially football. And the fact that we get to echo what they're feeling and their ideas and what they're thinking and the administration two days later is acting on that, that tells me that, of course, they're listening and they're taking action. 
which is great. And I love what I've seen. But like you said, Jerry, we have to sustain this across every sport, across every we can't just do it this time and then not do it again at all next year. We're very famous for doing that. We'll try it once. We'll do it. If it doesn't work out, well, then we scrap it and try something That's else. That's exactly right. We need to be yeah. consistent in our approach. Hattiesburg, Mississippi is the best example for me outside of App State where you you have you have two SEC teams within you know 100 miles of you guys, but you're still drawing a great crowd because it's in-your-face marketing. And that got them support from the businesses, that got them support from the students, from the community, and they show up for their games. And we've got to we've got to look at what they do and try to expound on that through again, we can't just try it once. We got to be consistent in our approach. I love what I see, but don't stop. <laughs> the other thing is that you can't teach pride. What you can do is you can educate people on why it's important to know where you came from, why it's important to support the people who support you. And that's uh, partially, I, I take that as kind of our mission, but local media can do that. The school itself can do that. The paper that they own can do that. The two radio stations that they, well, one of them they own and the other one that they're very involved with. We got to do a better job of con connecting with fans. and. Sp How can you not understand that sporting events are quite literally the biggest marketing tool? The front porch of the university is a cliche, but man, it just brings people together. It gives you an opportunity to have an event on a Saturday, a Sunday, a Tuesday, a Thursday, whatever. We've got to start taking advantage of these things and not just like paying it lip service, like actually using the tool. I haven't seen it since I've been there. So I think that's another thing that we need to really pay attention to. And until we utilize what we already have, it's like Jerry said, we have so many low cost things that we do here as a culture that we could use as a university to promote to connect, to get people in, to recruit. Some of these skiers that we were just talking to were recruited on Facebook. Now, I'm not going to say that that's going to be, you can't do that in, foot, in football and baseball and basketball, but just to say, like, you can, in 2022, you can connect in a multitude of different ways. There's no way that we, 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 we keep dropping the ball on just getting people together, making things an event like it should be. And not only that, we should, Lafayette, as many events as we host and we've created and we grow, I feel like if we don't have a master's degree in hospitality, we should. And every single one of those students should be at the games helping to, to make it better um, because they do. You can go to downtown Alive and wait two seconds for, I mean, it is a $20 bottle of water, but you don't have to wait in a huge line to get something. It takes you five seconds to get there. Go to Festival Acadien. You have 30 different restaurants handing out food with no wait. Uh, Festival International. I mean, we've got to we've got to get the people who who do these events so well. We got to get them involved and get their ideas and find out how we can do better. We should never stop trying to do better. We do have a master's degree in all those things. Like, so what good is it doing? <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you what it is. They have they've chased the fan off. We talk about this all the time. They've chased the fan off. We've got, and I'm not gonna name names. And I'm sorry if this is gonna step on toes, but it is what it is. It's what I do. Sorry. You can't come in here from another place and tell me how to be a Cajun. You can't come in from another place and tell me, oh, no, what you're doing doesn't work. This is how it's done. Do I think that a lot of the people we've brought in don't have talent? No, I think they have great. I think they're all very capable people. I think they're good at their jobs for the most part. But you can't come in here and tell me how to be cultured in this environment. 
I grew up doing this. I do this in my sleep. I do this every weekend. My family comes over. We do it repeatedly. I do this on a Tuesday afternoon just because it's what we want to do. When we get into the tailgate and we get into our element, cooking, drinking, hanging out, having conversation, making people feel welcome and connecting others, I'll go back to the story I told in the post game. All the Troy wives from the coaches, they came in, they, they hung out with us for three hours because they, they, they just felt the communal experience. They were thrilled that we even offered them a drink or a plate of gumbo. They, they, were, they loved it. Our fans know how to do it. Our, our alumni know how to do it. This community knows how to do it. We are not utilizing it. That the, the disconnect is from the top to the very, very bottom. The, the, the smallest fan that used to pay $0 to tailgate against the, t- the, the fence along Gilbo and Congress. That's where we're missing the mark. Our fans know how to do it. We have a master's degree in, in welcoming people and getting people together. We, the disconnect is, is how do we market it? It's not being marketed properly. Well, I was going to say, I think the problem is that we take our culture for granted. And, and and what I mean by that is it's easy when you when you go across state lines and Nick, you can relate to this. You're in Texas and you bring up something like Boudin, right? Or as they call it, it here, Boudin. A, yeah, Boudin. It becomes a delicacy to those people, right? Because it's not something they see every day here. I've got five or six grocery stores in a two mile radius that I can go get a link of Boudin if I wanted it. That's those are the type of things we have every day. And those are the type of things that we are accustomed to that not everybody else is anywhere in any part of the state or even the country. So Archer that we have every day that we see every day, we can go get plate lunches. We can eat crawfish and do all these things that people come to Cajun country as tourists to experience. That's what we need to market, but we can't take it for granted just because we see it every day. Doesn't mean it's not, not unique to somebody from Alabama or Missouri or Illinois or wherever they're from, whether they're coming in as a tourist, coming in as a visiting, uh, an opposing team's fan, or just coming to work here. That's what we need to market is our culture. We have to market our culture and find a way to make money off of it and create revenue off of it, but not take it for granted because we think it's normal. Another thing too is for games here, like I mentioned, Lafayette isn't what it was 40 years ago. It has grown a lot. There's a lot more things to do here. In my opinion, and Josh, I mentioned this then this this that this morning in our conversation. The football schedule comes out what, May? May of whenever that year before the season? It's in the spring. In the spring. You've got four to five months to prepare. You got your home schedule. You know what days you play. Take a look around town. Take a look at what festival's going on. Take a look at concerts happening, what type of conventions or events are going on at the Cajun Dome that far in advance and find a way to run promotions to that game that complements those events so you're not competing against those particular events. Because what I hear a lot is, well, we have this festival going on in New Iberia or Crowley and people are just going to go there instead. Well, did we do anything to counter that? No, 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 no. That's craziness. You don't counter it. You, you combine forces. You find a way to make your event, uh, you put them together. You, you, you make them copacetic. You, you, you join forces with them, man. That's how you do it. You don't take away from the other crowd. You, make, you enhance the experience. Have an Annex 10. I keep talking about that. 
Well, I think that's one solution. But what I'm saying is, though, is there's there's people to go around. The population's big enough to where if you want to experience both or bring a crowd in, you can do that. You can do both and not have a problem. I mean, how many times have we had Festival International the same weekend as baseball, and yet we still have a packed Teague in spite of Festival being walking distance? To where the buses are picking you up in the same parking lot to bring you downtown, it's and you're still drawing Mardi crowds. Gras when you can't even Mardi park Gras. in the stadium. You got the parade rolling right by the stadium, and yet the teak's still packed. Why is that? Because they're number one, they complement the event. The, the in advance, they bring those big teams in that weekend because they know they're going to enjoy Mardi Gras. But also, too, they plan in advance. They plan it. They make the schedule that complements that weekend, knowing that you can bring a big team and there's going to be fans that are going to stay put and go to the parade. But, so that's but you know why? The people that are in the Teague are there to watch baseball, Jerry. The people that are in Cajun Field right now are there because it's cheap and it's something to do on a Saturday. Well, that's and my that's point, the that's though. the flat but, out truth, man. You don't have the diehards anymore. They're they're doing something else right now because you chased them away from the tailgate. But what is? But at the same time, you got to start somewhere, Josh. You got to take one step forward, and the first step you take forward is making sure that there's you try to avoid any type of scheduling conflict by actually taking advantage of it. And so I think that's a start. And then secondly, you got to create an environment. You got to create an environment and win the event. Those are some solutions right there. I mean, if anybody's listening, hey, write it down. I don't know. I'm not. I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan giving feedback right now. Look, it starts to me. To me, it starts with the students. We got to get students to the game, whatever that takes, because there you're building fans for life if you create a good experience for the students. Secondly, like I said, the kids, we need to get to the kids to the game because back in 2014 when we made the bowl game, if you go and look back, there were a lot of older fans that drove to New Orleans to enjoy that, that time. We're almost 10 years later. Those older fans are maybe too old to go to the games or not really, you know, they, they might have been in their 50s. Now they're in their 60s. They're not really feeling going in, in on a Thursday night to, to watch a game when they could watch it on TV. But we haven't we haven't fostered the the student experience and, and the kids growing up in the culture. And I think that's where you're going to see a huge drop off too, is that a lot of our diehards are aging and they're just not going to the games anymore. It's too much of a hassle. It's not worth it to them. And that's one of the big problems we have is that we're fighting that we have an older fan base. And what have we done to fill the void? Not much. Well, I don't want to get too bogged in because I want to, I, I want to continue to go down the rundown here, but the last thing well, I'm going to say, and Jerry, I'll let you have the final word. Let, let our fans loose, let them loose. Just, let the, you said we got to market the culture. I, I disagree a little bit. We need to market our people because Ragin' Cajun means something to me. A Ragin' Cajun is me. It's you. It's Nick. It's everybody that shows up in the rain, in their mud, in their rubber boots in the mud on a Saturday, regardless of what's going on. That's Ragin' Cajun to me. We need to market our people and what their ability is, and that is to get people to the games. And and my very last thing is, uh, I'm I'm not sorry for what I said on Saturday. What I said on Saturday was raw passion. It needed to be said. And I'm not dense enough to think that what we said on this podcast made the uh, Pack Cajun Field thing take off. But I will say it didn't hurt it. Well, I was going to say, um, to clarify a little bit on the, the culture uh, as far as marketing the culture is the fact that when I go to a local grocery store and get a meatball stew as a plate lunch, that's what being a Raging Cajun is. Those are the type of things that I think we take for granted a lot that we can turn that into a, a marketing opportunity. When I go to, you know, sit and have a few beers and listen to listen to Jamie Bergeron on on, on Spotify, that's what a Cajun is. You know, 
but uh yeah right <laughs> but but that's those are the kind of things those are the kind of things that we do that make us unique but there's a way but but there's a way we can we can capitalize on that without trying to outprice the fan uh one other thing i wanted to say was as far as the students go i know we're really pushing for the students to show up to the games tomorrow night and look to the students if you're listening support this team one more time but also too we have to quit playing musical chairs with our students quit moving them around quit moving their tailgate back and forth you know if they say hey number five you're 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 a terrible football player and say something rated pg don't throw them out unless they really do something dumb or you don't like the sound of their voice because remember remember those are your future season ticket holders those are your future rcaf donors those are your we talk about an age gap in, in, in fan support. Those those are your low that's your low hanging fruit right there that can potentially one day your hundred thousand dollar donor. So if you if you alienate them now, you think they're gonna come back and, and want to give money and buy season tickets and support the program? No. You know what they're gonna do? They're gonna look back at the time they got thrown out the game for saying something PG, and they're never gonna want to support the team. They're gonna go somewhere else or go across the basin. So understand, take 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 advantage for the at the fact that those students in the student section tomorrow night may be a big donor one day that experience at the game may give them a reason to be a lifelong fan uh, and, 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 you know, be a big booster and be somebody who buys season tickets for the next 50 or 60 years. Christian Christian's on like four different platforms asking me the same question. I will give you koozies tomorrow, dude. Uh, hit me up uh, right around kickoff time or be about an hour before kickoff time. And I will find you and we'll get you some koozies. But the only the only way is if you're gonna use it throughout the entire game. You got to post pictures. You got to ride for the pot. That's the only way you're getting free koozies. So, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We're not we're not giving it away for free. You got to put some work into it, right? Because he will take it back like he took mine that he gave me and then That's left right. with it. It's a privilege to get our. It was an accident. <laughs> was an accident. <laughs> uh, so real quick, I, I've been inundated with requests to take on this issue. Uh, there have been reports that there was a student athlete at UL across the basin while we were hollering and screaming about the Tigers. And uh, he he was proudly displaying purple and gold. And uh, I think he was on the field, actually, somehow. So the question is, this is a hotly contested situation on Raging Cajun and on Twitter, too. Raging Cajun players, athletes, current, on scholarship, across the basin in purple and puke. Nick, I'm going to start with you on this one. How do you feel about it? Go ahead. I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. Let's just give a couple takes and then we'll move. Yeah, I look, I do I think it's a big deal? No, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Personally, I was raised to be loyal, loyal to my family, my faith. And it's just, it's ingrained in me. I, I look back, my dad was in politics and he ran for office. I still hate the people that politicked against him. Like I'm still pissed at him like 30 years later. So my I have I have this just ingrained loyalty and, and the same with my sports teams. I will never cheer for, I mean, I'll watch the Texans and go, yay, you know, I live in Houston, go Texans, but I'll always be a diehard Saints fan. I will never put another team's colors on. That's me. And that's a diehard fan. That's you, Jerry. That's you, uh, uh, Josh. That That's who we are. But not everybody's like that, and I get it. And look, I, my thing is don't wear don't wear another team's colors. Like if you're, if you're, if I were a coach and you're on my team, I'm going to say, look, you can go watch other games. I encourage you to go watch other games. Go and and see the experience and see, you know, other players and and maybe you'll pick up some tips there. But just don't wear other teams colors. Like 
you don't have to wear Louisiana when you go to another or team. Or post it. Or, or post it. Thing. Right. Like, right. Like now, kids. Kids nowadays post everything. I understand they post what they damn eat. Right. Like I get it. But right. But it like, it hurts. It hurts us especially because we're so loyal to our program, and and that is just not that. I mean, look at the transfer portal. There'll there'll be guys that that are committed. I mean, look at look at a certain player who is committed to the culture day one, and then day two he's going across the basin. It's it's the same thing. That that loyalty is just not there for everyone. So we just need to accept that that's how it is. Am I happy about it? I'm not thrilled. But am I going to go trash the kid? No, I, I absolutely not. It, it's a I think it's a poor decision, but it's not me to judge, right? You know, I, I agree with with pretty much almost everything Nick just said. Um, when I was in high school, I remember my fir- my freshman year, our disciplinarian would come and talk to us and he would tell us, you know, Jesuit, we're the Blue Jays. And that's our mascot. And he would always say, Blue, you're a Blue Jay 24-7, which means when you leave school and you go out to a party or you go out anywhere in public, you are a Blue Jay 24-7, which means you represent this school, regardless of who you talk to, what you do, you represent this school, you are an ambassador to this high school. I say the same thing about student athletes or, or just students in general. You know, our student athletes are raging Cajuns 24 seven. When they leave campus and they go out to other games, they go out to parties, they go out to socials, they go out, hang out with their friends, go on a date, go out to the club. You are a raging Cajun 24 seven. It's the same reason why we get upset when we hear a player gets in a fight somewhere at a bar, you know, and, and, and we know they're younger, they're young kids or they're kids that are still learning in many ways. But at the same time, you still represent the raging Cajun emblem. You still represent this university. You still represent this community in many ways. I've told that to a few players in the past, when you go out in public, you represent this university, you represent this team, you represent me as a fan. So when somebody wears another team's colors, whether it's respect to them or you going hang out with your friends, I think that's a little over the line because you're not representing that school, you're representing us. Um, to me, if I, if I were that student athlete, I probably would have worn neutral colors. Doesn't mean you can't go to the game and you can't go pull for that team. If you have a friend on the team to show them support, but either wear to me, it's either wear raging Cajun colors or don't wear any colors at all. Because at the day you were still in Cajun. Um, now, am I gonna am I gonna bash the kid? I think some of the some of these fans have been pretty. Some fans have been a little more harsher than others, and and I just hope, if anything, uh, the coaches got a hold of it. I hope that it this is a lesson for for this this young athlete. I hope it's something that he can learn. I hope it's something that. Um, he understands when it comes to loyalty, that is a word that was, that, I, that we've thrown around this week is loyalty. Um, be loyal to your school. Again, you're an ambassador to this university. You're a raging Cajun 24 seven raging Cajun first. Everything else is, is irrelevant to me. When's the last time you saw Jake DeLone wear another school's colors or peanut or even Alfred Payton, or how about let's go across the basin. Joe Burrow. You think he's going to wear an Ohio state shirt or Shaq Shaq? basically lives in Lafayette. He ain't wearing UL stuff. So, so yeah, be loyal to the program that got you to where you're, where you're at or where you're going. Loyalty is, uh, it's a dying thing. I mean, people with backbone in general is pretty much a dying thing. Um, you know, there's a reason why we didn't use his name because that'd be inappropriate that we had certain fans that were suggesting he'd be suggesting that he would be thrown off the team or suspended or benched. Because he's fighting for a starting position. And I don't agree with any of that. However, I think that he should be sat down 
by these coaches and said, hey, man, you know, there's a reason why you're on scholarship here. We gave you a choice, a decision, or excuse me, a, a chance when nobody else would. That should mean something to you. Now, is it a young mistake? Could be. And maybe he did have a friend on the team. And maybe he was there because his brother went to LSU or his parents graduated. Whatever. You got to have self-awareness. All right? Again, like you guys said, there's a reason why our legends, there's a reason why Peanut Tillman is on TV on Fox and on on Twitter and all these things, and he says Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He's not wearing anything else. He's from Florida. There's a reason why he he bleeds this place. He's loyal. We gave him a chance. You got to have self awareness. Uh, I, I would love, and, and the other thing is that we talk about loyalty a lot because I think that in this area, we still believe in it more than most, and that's just an uh, you know I'm just thinking out loud. That happened on a if that happened on a Tony Robichaud team, I promise you there was a conversation being had. Oh look, there was a there was there was an issue with one of the assistant coaches who shall not be named back in the day, who somebody walked in with an LSU hat and he knocked it off his head. So there you go. I would love <laughs> I would love for people to go talk to Handsome Monica and ask them about one of their teammates wearing LSU, because I know for a fact that guy hated that team. I, I, go ask Papo Ramos or. DeJesus. Uh, Terry Johnson. <laughs> Terry Johnson. DeJesus. Uh, you remember those brawls back then? Go ask Nate Nelson if one of his teammates would walk into the to, to the locker room with an LSU shirt on and see how that went. That's not an accident, guys. Those are names that are on our Hall of Fame wall. There's a reason for that. So should the guy be shunned and stoned and thrown out of town? No, I don't, I don't believe that. Should there be a precedent and a standard for that? In a conversation had? Absolutely. I don't think we're off base by that. So for, for JMV and all the others that have asked a million times, no, man. It's not all right. Should he be kicked off? No, but it's not all right. And I think he's going to get an education here in a minute, if he hasn't already, by the way. Uh, moving on, you know, we really didn't cover a lot of Troy. And there's a reason for that. The attendance was a lot more important. Losing to Troy, we'll forget about that in two years. Um, having... Less than 8,000 people at a senior night. That's going to be on the record books forever. So we spent the majority of the time. Also, our fans drove the conversation. We tried to talk about the game. People wanted to talk about the, the attendance, and they, they were justified. So that's where we went. However, we're going to give a, a couple of parting shots on Troy. Um, I'll start. I was shocked by the offensive line performance without Jax Harrington in the first half especially. Totally shocked. Uh, I thought Zylan... Perry was the spark plug that we thought he was when he got some uh, some playing time in the Arkansas State game. Thought he looked fantastic. Uh, he's got a bright future here, and he's just a true freshman. He's got he's going to put on weight. He's going to get bigger. He's going to get training. He's going to go through a real full off season. That guy's going to be good. Uh, I think Kendrell Williams is a man. I mean, he's just flat running linebackers over. It was really good to see. You know that old Regis Elijah Mitchell running style. You know cutback lanes just. North-South running. That was fun to see. So that's some positive takeaway. I thought our defense was as good as they could be until the point where our quarterback was ineffective and the offense just did absolutely nothing. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously the officiating was absolutely atrocious and we should have never given up that first down on the... Well, not given up the first down. It was not a pass interference that was called. Should have never happened. We should have gotten the ball back there. And, you know, Nick Nick showed the video in the post game. 
we did we did some things well, you know. I mean, we turned them over. Uh, defensive line was good. Again, Zion Hill Green was a monster, uh, and he has an opportunity to break the sack record, the school sack record on Thursday, which is another reason why you should go to see him and support him. Uh, overall, I thought that we played with a lot of grit. Just ran out of gas. Um, I mean, we just ran out of gas. That's that's the bottom line. Some of the momentum that we had, we lost it with just trying to. I think we fell in love with the running game where it wasn't in effect, where, where it wasn't effective anymore. After Ben got hurt on that helicopter touchdown in the third quarter, it was very obvious that he was limited. I think a lot of it is explainable. Again, you're up seventeen nothing in the third quarter. I don't expect this defense to give that up. But at the same time, when you go three and out, 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 what can you really expect? And it's against a good team. They're they're seven and two for a reason. So those are my thoughts on the game. Um, I, I don't really have anybody individually that I would like to to shout out. Other than honestly, Kendra Williams, it was very, very good. The right side of that offensive line combined was really, really good. Our linebackers were very, very good for three and a half quarters. Um, and then obviously our secondary always shows up. So Nick, some positive takeaways from Troy or something that stood out. Yeah, I think you nailed it with the with the offensive line play in the first uh, pretty much two and a half quarters of the game. Um, it, but it it was the same story we've seen two other times this season. We saw it at ULM, we where we were one play away from blowing them out, and then we get beat. We saw it against USM and and, and against Southern Miss. It wasn't like the defense got burned late in the game. They got burned early in the game. But it was the same situations. You know, passes up the middle, um, outstanding plays by the quarterback that just actually the receiver, because the quarterback was just throwing the ball in the air. They were making a they were making the catch. And you felt all the air come out when when they started doing that. And then the 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 call again, not to say that it cost us the game, but it didn't make it any easier when it's it's third and long and you get a phantom pass interference call to get them first down, and then that's ball game after that. As far as I was concerned, that was our last chance to try, try to get the ball back and, and score at least a, a field goal. So, it uh, again, we've seen this group before three different times and then the same results all three times. So, and we'll talk about the Troy game in just a little bit on how I'm concerned about uh, the the way that we lost going into this game because it's going to uh it's it could turn ugly real quick if we don't show up against this high-powered offensive of georgia southern i think what hurt a game is you look at the first three quarters and you see a team that we pretty much knew all along what we should have been all year and you defensively you shut them down pretty much like just they couldn't do anything offensively against our our vaunted defense offensively we just gashed them we gashed their front seven uh with their rushing attack like josh said in spite of jacks harrington being out we were still able to run the ball um pretty much north and south which we haven't been able to do all season and this was a top 30 defense going into this game and on top of that i also thought we threw the ball pretty well so we we we, we left six points off the board um i mean it should have been 23 nothing by the end of the third quarter um I don't think I've ever seen a 180 like that in a very long time to where you basically dominate the game for three quarters. And then all of a sudden, not only does Troy wake up, but all they just start to out scheme you. Um, 
to the point where we had no answer for it in the fourth quarter. Add the fact that Ben, when he dove into that end zone to get that score, he never really recovered after that. And offensively, we just couldn't we couldn't do anything. We couldn't get a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We couldn't pass. It just to Jim, like quoting Jim Mora. What to know, say? Is that a Jim Mora deal? Yeah, we couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball, and he, you know, in his words, in the second half we sucked. You know, we couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball, they went down and got points. I, I think of that clip, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what happened to us. We didn't do diddly poo. Couldn't do diddly poo offensively. I mean, it's word for word. It was exactly what he he said in that quote. But I, I think what hurts is defensively. I don't think I've seen a collapse like that from our defense all year, and that includes the Rice game in the fourth quarter. Troy couldn't throw all game. They just gashed us in the pass passing game in the fourth quarter. We saw it against USM. Southern Miss. We definitely well, saw we, it against we, them. We, we did, but I, I, we were able to adjust to it. Like, we, you know, they we dominated for three quarters. Left, I, kept them scoreless. I, I don't know if I'm going to call it a collapse, though, Jerry, because – what happened in the, in the at the end of the third quarter, they totally abandoned the running game. And as soon as they opened it up and abandoned the running game, after we were going three and out over and over, I mean, we were gassed. I, and then Lamar started playing that prevent stuff because he knew we were gassed, very similar to ULM, and, and we had a similar result. But at the same time, what are you going to do? Ask these guys that have absolutely – they can't even breathe to play press coverage. and I mean, what are you going to get burnt? So it's kind of a catch-22, and I understand why he did what he did. I don't know if I agree. I just understand what he did. Uh, I, I I don't put it on the defense, though. And this is where I was arguing with Kyle on Saturday. I don't put that on the defense. I put that on the, the offensive inability to get a first freaking down. Well, I, I don't I don't disagree with that. I, I think you have some valid points there. But also, if you look at some of the passes that Troy threw on us in the fourth quarter, I mean, their receivers were making circus catches. And it was to the point, I mean, we got mossed a few times, and I'm looking, I'm like, okay, you could barely get a pass off in the th for three quarters, and now you, you, you're, you're, you're creating highlight reels for the, like, season highlight reels in, one, in, in a span of 15 minutes. That, at that point, that's where I'm just like, okay, I understand we're gassed, but you have to be able to cover that. That's, that was where I was kind of like, okay, we, I know we're tired, I know we've been on the field. But those type of things where they're making circus catches on you, that's where I was kind of thrown off. Now, of course, offensively, I mean, that our, our performance Get a first down. was atrocious. Get a, it was atrocious. Here's, here's the other it thing. It was atrocious. The, the, the miss, when they went to man, like when they went to that, the, well, I say man, that more soft zone, Eric Guerra was on that, I think he was number eight. There, I, I don't remember his name. That guy was like 6'6". And I love Eric. It wasn't just Eric. I'm not trying to single him out, but he's a smaller corner. I mean, they were throwing 50-50 balls, dude. So, I, I don't know, man. I, I still don't want to call it a collapse. I don't think our defense is why we lost the game. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it was just, I mean, I, I just think it was a fourth quarter collapse all around. And, and, of course, again, we missed two field goals. And going into that fourth quarter, it's 23 nothing. Actually, no, it's 23-7. They scored on the last play of the third quarter. But you're still up. Well, no, it was 17-7. 17-7. Right, but, well, they scored on the last play. So it was 17-7 when, right. when, the, when the order started. Right. But if you make those two field goals, it's 23-7. I mean, that's that's a 16-point game. That's a big difference. So it, it was just I, you could not have asked for a worse quarter than the fourth quarter of last week. But 
I, I just hope we can respond. See, look, you saw Chris Smith coming off that field. Uh, that 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 hurt more than anything. Seeing some of those oh, players. Man. I, that, that's the only thing that gave me hope. I'll be honest with you. Seeing Chris lose his freaking mind, I said it Saturday. That's the only thing that gave me hope. I mean, he he was irate. And he should have been, dude. I mean, he should have been. I don't know what's going on on the sidelines and the locker rooms. I don't know. I still think we're very healthy from a uh, a camaraderie standpoint. I, I don't get the feeling uh, that we have locker room issues. But his reaction to the end of that game was eye-opening. Hard to watch, but also I was proud. If that makes any amount of sense. Let's transition to a couple of uh, shout-outs that we need to make because the women just started their basketball campaign. And they took on a peer institution, but we've come to learn that they were picked to finish third in the AAC, and they got top 25 votes. Cajuns beat them in the Dome 55-48 to and really led throughout. They had a double-digit lead for the majority of the game. I don't really know how to take the game. Obviously, you know, when you start the season, you get, get some of these wacky results that don't really represent what the team is capable of, but... Uh, I think that uh, I think there were some things that you can kind of hang your hat on in this particular game. There was some. I mean, Gary's always going to play good defense, right? Uh, Houston came in as a, a a good scoring team, and we put the clamps on them. We turned them over something like I don't want to lie to you. I think it was like thirteen turnovers that we had in the first half. Uh, let me go ahead and pull it up just so I'm not lying to you. Tamer Johnson had 15 points, 12 rebounds, and three assists to lead the. Uh, uh, excuse me, 15 points and 12 rebounds to lead the team. And Destiny Rice had three assists to lead the team. But yeah, Houston was picked to be good. We always talk about winning and beating peer institutions. That's kind of how we, uh, how we judge ourselves, right? We, we certainly do that in, in football and in baseball. Uh, but I thought, it was a, I thought it was a fantastic win to start the season. Something to get the fans involved, get the fans excited. I mean, how many times we have these nice runs where we go into conference and we beat what we would call lesser teams, uh, and everybody gets all excited, but they always use excuse, and I say they. I mean, fans, they'll say, well, you know, we're better than Georgia State, or we're better than, you know, insert conference team. This ain't that. This is a well-funded, highly thought-of college basketball team for the women. Future Big 12. Future Big 12. So I think that's an impressive victory. You guys have any thoughts? No, I watched the uh, the tail end of the game, and... um I was excited, man. Again, we're not we're not talking about beating a South Southeast North Dakota River State University. We're talking about beating a future Big Twelve program, and and we know what their men's basketball team is like. So you got to think that their women's program is going to be solid this year as well. So kudos to to Gary and and the rest of that crew. Yeah, that was that that was fun to watch. So I just pulled it up. Opponent turnovers, 22 total. We scored 19 points off of that 22. It's awesome. So 19 of our 55 points came directly off a turnover. I mean, that's Gary Ball. In a nutshell, that's exactly how they want to win. Jerry, what are your thoughts? I think in the second half or second quarter, I think they held Houston to like 2 of 13, and that's when they really ran away from them. I was going to say, defensively, I thought they played great. Um, To open up the season against a win, like a quality opponent – against a quality opponent like Houston, that's always an impressive win. Anytime you beat Houston in anything, especially basketball, that's impressive. And, you know, we've played them in the past and they've gotten the best of us, but to to open up the season at home like that, there's a lot of expectations for this team. So um, this is definitely a great way to start. 
Yeah, I agree. The largest lead of the game was 19 points. So really, I mean, led throughout. You know, I mean, that's a hell of a way to start, especially in the dome in front of your home fans. That's a good way to start. That's how you do it. Uh, Gary's going to play a certain type of ball. He's going to turn you over. He's going to press you. He's going to play defense. Seems like we have enough talent to score. Uh, is, do you do you guys know if Troy is going to be the 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 team we're trying to chase down again this year? No, we're the team people are trying to chase hey. down this year, baby. <laughs> now we're talking. All right, so shout out to the women. Way to start. Uh, Cage's volleyball. Volleyball team is playing well down the stretch. Kind of took one on the chin against USM in that last uh, the last game of the last series of uh, the 2022 campaign. Uh, but really, really a competitive match throughout. I don't think any team won a set by more than three. So a lot of fun. A lot of fun to uh, to be in the environment and to watch the team progress. So keep up with volleyball. You know, they have an opportunity to go win a conference championship and make a deep run. November the 16th is the Sunbelt Conference Championship, but we play App State on Friday at 5 p.m. Central, 6 Eastern, and that's in Boone. So we'll play them at 5 and then we're going to play on Saturday at noon Central. App State, a little bit underwhelming this year. I'm not sure what their history looks like, uh, but obviously the Cajuns will be favored in this in this contest. But it looks like we have an opportunity to win. So everybody watch volleyball. I love the fan support, though. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> oh, dude, it's Man, so awesome. Our fans have just been so great. It's fun to watch. Like I said, I, I watch it, obviously, from Houston, but watching it on the stream and hearing the fan support and – I, I get into it. It's fun. Fun yeah. to watch. Yeah, you can't not. It's too fun. It, it's too, too, they're too rowdy, man. The, the fans are nuts. They have, they have wigs and flags and they paint their face. It's awesome. When Coastal and App were playing the other night, I switched the game to the stream of Cajuns volleyball. <laughs> Catherine goes, uh, are, you, are you watching volleyball over football? Is that, <laughs> is that really happening right now? So that was, that was new in the house. Well, and EK Long, the the atmosphere they've created, I mean, 1,500 fans sounds like 15,000. And, you know, this team is getting better. This team is getting better. They've improved as the season has gone on. Um, You know, and even in their losses, they've they've competed. There really isn't – there weren't many matches later this year that really seemed like they were, quote-unquote, blowouts even in their losses. They're very competitive In fairness, Texas State collapsed pretty good. Yeah, but but outside of that – (laughs) <laughs> but, but but look, even in Texas State, we were still competitive in many ways. The problem was Texas State just ran away with it later on in the match. And I think to to their to, to Texas State's credit, they they are the standard of the conference. So I think eventually we'll get there. It is there is some there's some growing pains against teams like that. But if you look at some of our other matches, I mean we're I mean even against Southern Miss, uh, I think we lost in what five sets, toe to toe. So. So, oh, they yeah. were really no, good. I'm, I'm, Their I'm number really twenty-three optimistic. was absurd. Yeah, uh, Coach Gray has this team in the right, going in the right direction, and I, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do in the tournament. I, I wish them well and and hope that they can compete. Okay, back to the gridiron. Georgia Southern on Thursday. Uh, before we get to Nick's preview, I'm going to say a little bit of the no before you go stuff because I think that's important. We kind of talk about the operations and event staff not really promoting enough, but maybe we can do a little more, so we're going to do that. Per the RCAF, you can start bringing in your RVs. If you're in the RV lot, you can start bringing in your RVs as of 5 p.m. this afternoon 
on Wednesday, and they have to be gone by 8 a.m. on Friday. That's the deal. So if you're in the RV lot tonight, Wednesday, 5 p.m., 8 a.m. Friday, that's the deal. Uh, parking gates 1 through 5, or excuse me, 1 and 5, will be open at 8 a.m. on Thursday morning. Obviously, parking passes required after 2 p.m. Everybody remember that. Cajun Dome box office opens at 9 a.m., so if you don't have tickets, you can go in there and get that. Uh, at 2 p.m., ticket booth at Russo Park opens. The Our Lady of Lords family tailgate at Russo Park opens. Hopefully, they'll have football on. Um, I don't know what they would be showing at 2 p.m. Maybe they can just show some reruns of 2021 for us. That would be good for the soul. Uh, and then all parking gates open. Cajun Walk, 3.55 p.m. Music Under the Oaks featuring Rude Crew, 4.30 p.m. At 5.15, Pride of Acadiana Pep Rally right next to Russo. At 5.30, the stadium gates will open. 6.15, the POA will do their performance. And at 6.30, kickoff against Georgia Southern. At halftime, the Stunt Dogs will have a special performance Hopefully, that will be better than the Looney Tunes performance, which was not expected. I'll go with that. Although, I was shocked at how many of the old Looney Tunes songs I actually remembered. It's a throwback to when they did Sounds of Spain after Southern just goes out and, like, crushes most, it. He crushes it, yes. and then we come out with Sounds of Spain. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, what were they going to do? We, you know, yeah. we're beating Troy. It was 10 to nothing at the time. And fans are kind of hollering about how it ended, and they come out and play DuckTales. DuckTales. I mean, we did that. That really happened. We played, we played DuckTales. Ohio State's out here doing dinosaurs with the neck and everything. We're playing DuckTales. Anyway, uh, no shot at the POA. Love you guys. It's not your fault. Anyway, Georgia Southern. Uh, formidable opponent. They're going to sling it around. They can score. I don't know if their defense is even remotely close to what the defense of old uh, was like, but I hear we're going to learn about it. So, Nick, take it away. Well, um, no, their defense is not <laughs> anywhere near what they used to be. Like you said, they can they can score some points. They they scored an average of thirty six points a game. Um, but but in response to that, they also give up thirty one points a game, which has really been their downfall this season. Um, as far as as rushing yards, um. They're relatively even with us. We've got 1,372. They've got 1,400 yards of rushing. But their rushing yards allowed, they've allowed 2,100 rushing yards this season compared to our 1,300. Um, passing yards, 3,000 yards of passing this season, which is unbelievable. But then again, they gave up 2,300 uh, passing yards allowed this season. So um, needless to say, their defense is going to have um, – or rather, our defense is going to have our work cut out for us uh, when we play Georgia Southern uh, this coming uh, Thursday night. Uh, touchdowns this season, we've got 29. They've got 41. Uh, so, again, just pointing to the fact that they can score and they can move the ball. Um, uh, on the other side, defensively, they've also given up 36 touchdowns this season to our 25. The one thing that I think is going to be key is they are really, really good on third down conversions. They're 53% on the season in third down and 50% on fourth down. So it's going to be really important that we stop them on third and long and not third and short because they will go for it, and they have a, a really good success rate there. 
going back to, to defense and offense, we're ranked 34 in defense. Georgia Southern is ranked 129 out of 130 in total defense this season. Yikes. So, yeah, that's a big discrepancy. But on the flip side, they're ranked 18th in total offense. We're ranked 93. So, I mean, it's almost the exact opposite there. Um, Kyle Van Treese thrown for 2,900 yards on the season, 20 touchdowns. He averages 331 yards in the air a game. So he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a challenge. They've got four receivers with 400 uh, yards or more this season, uh, led by uh, Caleb Bood. I, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. He's got 685 yards and two touchdowns this season. Um, so so yeah, they're they're dangerous offensively. Uh, leading rusher Jalen White is. Um, He's got 763 yards on the ground, 10 touchdowns, averages 82 yards a game. Now, again, defensively, they do have some good defensive backs. Uh, Marquez Watson-Trent has 34 solo tackles this season. Also, another good defensive back to watch is uh, Wyland Free. He's got 38. A good linebacker in Anthony Wilson. But again, they give up yards and and they give up uh, points as well. So, uh, it'll be it'll be an interesting battle to see who gets who gets the best. Is it going to be our defense against their uh, their really really good offense, or is it going to be their defense against our relatively um, you know middle of the road offense? Uh, we'll see what happens on Thursday night. I will say the one thing that does scare me a little bit is that we haven't scored I think over thirty point. Going back, I'm looking at the schedule right now. We've scored thirty points twice this season. Once against Arkansas State. And once against Eastern Michigan, and when you look at uh, at Georgia Southern, I mean they've only scored less than thirty points uh, once out of the last six ball games. I mean they score thirty or more on a regular basis. So we've got our work cut out for us. If 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 we get into um, a situation where their offense is blowing it up and we have to, to come back and try to catch up, that's going to be. I just I I don't know that we have the firepower right now to do that unless there is a lightning delay. We, if we can get a lightning delay, maybe things could happen, but um, it'll definitely be a challenge. Don't let, don't let their record fool you. I know they, they're um, let's go back and look, they are two and three in conference and five and four overall. But again, they did beat Nebraska. Uh, they, they lost narrowly to coastal. They beat James Madison. And we know that that would, you know, James Madison was rolling there for a while um, and, and lost a close one to South Alabama. So, uh, don't let the record fool you. They're a good ball team coming in town. I agree 100%. First of all, we cannot get into an offensive shootout. Cannot. I do like that our secondary, again, is the backbone of our team, and it's going to be up against their their strength, obviously. One thing that I, I think it hurt us a lot against USM is that we had to travel, and we were both coming off of short weeks. That extra time at home, not having to travel, I think it's a huge advantage. So, Getting them at home gives me a little bit of confidence. And I know our guys are pissed and, and a little bit hurt, honestly. I, I think we're going to get our best effort on, on Thursday. I really do believe that. Uh, to your point about their schedule, they had a late lead against Coastal, at Coastal. They blew it. Um, it was 30-22 to 22 at one point. And they ended up losing that game. And, and, I mean, I think there were like six minutes left and they ended up losing that game. Uh, you look at Georgia State. You know, you go to Georgia State, and I get it. You're on the road two weeks in a row. You lose to Georgia State, my pick to win the East. Look like a moron. But, you know, Georgia State's not a pushover team. They've got talent. They're physical. That, that, that is a very interesting game, and that's a heated rivalry. 
Uh, on the road, that's tough coming off of that coastal loss. James Madison got bit by the top 25 bug. As soon as it got ranked, they go down to to, uh, to Georgia to uh, Georgia Southern and they lose because that's what happens to Sun Belt teams. As soon as we get ranked, we lose. Um, Georgia Southern had a very tough fought win against Old Dominion, but I think that they matched up well against each other. Uh, and that was one hell of a football game, by the way, if you watch that game. Uh, the South Alabama game, man. Georgia Southern was up 17 to nothing in that game. They really controlled the first half, similar to what happened with us and Troy, but they, they it got into a shootout in the second half. And we all know what we saw at South Al. That's a good football team. The fact that they had, basically, they had them on the ropes the entire game and then it went deep, that tells me Georgia Southern's a good team. And they're playing well. And if they're going to try to beat us over the top, while I do feel good about having them at home and I do feel good about our secondary, if the offense can't get it going, bad recipe. One thing that surprised me about Georgia Southern this year, I know most of their fans, when Clay Helton took the job, they, that they would take away that offensive identity of running that sort of spread triple option offense that they've always run. But their passing game has been outstanding this season. If you look at some of their highlights, they throw the ball well. That's something that I think we're going to have to be prepared for, especially with the way we played in the fourth quarter last week against Troy. This game to me, or the key to this game, is stopping their offense. If we stop their offense, and look, they might score on us. I don't. I I would not be surprised if they score on us. But if it's to the point where we can limit them and force some turnovers, I think our offense is good enough to go against their defense and score points. I, their defense is not impressive. They don't impress me too much. But what they've been able to do is they've been able to outscore teams in their games and shootouts. It's like you said, Josh. You don't want to get into a shootout with this team because now you're playing in their wheelhouse. So. I think if we're able to stop their offense, I think if we're able to force some turnovers and take advantage of it by, you know, turning the ball, forcing turnovers and getting points off those turnovers, being at home, that five-day turnaround, I think that's going to work in our favor. So really, I'm just excited to see what our defense can do and what they can do to limit that that high-powered Georgia Southern offense. That's the matchup I'm looking forward to because I think we will score. I have just, no doubt we will score. It just depends which team shows up That's for it. Us, that's it. Because we've been so inconsistent this season. We we come out, look like world beaters against Marshall, and then we go, you know, against Arkansas State and look like we're going to, you know, run the table. And then we we have the Southern Miss debacle followed by Troy. So which whichever team, hopefully it's the team that, uh, that has its act together because they, uh, like you said, Josh, we can't afford to get in a shootout with them. I, it's not that we don't have the talent. It's just, just not how we run our offense. It's just not what we're built for. Real quick, I want to mention all the promotions. Okay, so tomorrow, free parking, lot E. Tomorrow, students get free fanny packs. Tomorrow, students get free prizes. Did you guys see that tweet? They're giving away prizes. Haven't seen that since, like, my freshman year. I'm excited about the fanny pack. I wish I were a student. I'm stealing one. one. <laughs> I'm 100% stealing one. Uh, uh, so anyway, I don't, I, I don't know. If, I'm sure there are discount tickets. Ten bucks, right? $10 discount tickets, $2 dogs, $2 natties. Uh, so chug a lug, right? Got that going on. There, any promotion you can think of, guys, they're rolling out the red carpet. We can never, ever have a repeat of what happened on Saturday. That, that's gotta, that's, we have to erase that from, from our, our brains, and, and we cannot be known like that. That's not, we're, we're better than that. Regardless of the ineptitude of whatever administrator you think of or whatever, regardless of that, at some point you still have to take pride in where you come from. 
So today we're imploring you, get to the field. Go have some fun. Last time you get to see some of these guys, and I'm talking about names like Quib and Braylon Trahan, Zion Hill Green and Eric Guerra and, and Chris Smith and all these guys, all these guys that, how, again, household names that we've all, I mean, just come to love over the years. Like, you got to go see them. Johnny Lumpkin, I can go on and on. Get out there. Have some fun. It's a Thursday afternoon. It's a reason to take off of work on Friday, whatever you got to do. All right? Go take care of these guys. They, they deserve it. They work hard for you. I know they're four and five. I know we didn't get the results that we look, we were looking for this year. Go say thanks. It's it's the last opportunity to do so. I, I don't think that's too much to ask at this point. And there's and then there's probably even more promotions that I didn't even get to because uh, I don't really follow the promotions. I go to the game to watch the football, so I don't really pay a lot of attention to that. But turns out there's going to be a ton of free stuff and also some really good music before and during the game. So everybody needs to show up if at all possible. Then I tell you what. Tomorrow night, 6 p.m., Georgia Southern. Your last chance to say thank you to the seniors. Your last chance to cheer on your Cajuns to victory. Cajun Nation, the university, is going all out to promote this game. You see all kinds of hashtags such as Pack Cajun Field and Go Cajuns to the students, to the fans, to the community. So for one last time, let's make this a grand finale for the 2022 home stretch be there occasion field because when it's all said and done we're a lot better than just a crowd of 7,888 fans let's double that triple that quadruple that and let's bring home a victory one last time for these seniors at cajun field see you tomorrow cajun nation and as always go cajuns indeed thanks gordon mckernan we will see you guys at the field thank you Darren Doming and Lafayette Roofing. Thank you, national champion, Raging Cajun Water Ski Team, and Coach Ryan Gonzalez. What a pleasure that was. Guys, we're winding it down. Go support your football team. They deserve it. If you like what we do here, please hit the subscribe button. Like, share, comment, rate, review. Twitter, Twitch, The Gram, TikTok, all over everywhere taking over the world i think we're on linkedin now or we're about to be who knows also thanks to trey trey amos who did a little video for us today trying to pump up the crowd and the environment and the uh and the participation i mean it was cool to work with him be on the lookout for more stuff coming from razor review thanks for hanging out with us tonight everybody we'll see you against georgia southern at the swamp Go Cajuns.